Welcome to Better Bachelor. My name is Joker, and today we're going to be talking about are most men really invisible to most women? Uh, we're going to get into the 80-20 rule. We're going to talk a little bit uh, about everything today, but but many of you in the past have said, well, where does this 80-20 come from? And there's actually some, some scientific theory behind it. And how does it apply to dating? And if I want to date, what does that mean for me? Is this justification as to why I'm not dating? We're gonna And we're going to talk about why... Uh, I think that women have moved to the 80-20 rule. And, and we're seeing this a lot pushed in social media. We're, we're seeing it pushed a lot in uh, TV shows. We're going to talk about all of that. Uh, this is going to be a longer one. If I have to split it into two videos, I will do so. Um, I can only upload an hour at a time to my Locals channel. And I want to make sure this is something that I can post there because a lot of people are leaving YouTube for Locals over there. Uh, while I think of it, quick promo for that. Um, less than 1% of my viewers here, um, less than half of 1% of my viewers here are supporters over there. Um, I'm about a third of the way where I'd really like to get up to around 1% to 2% of viewers over there. Um, what I'm going to be doing is uh, about once a week, I'm posting videos over there about about news and about, uh, of course, this, the videos I can't do here. But I'm also going to do stuff like, uh, I think, uh, legal-wise, I can do this because it's a, sub, a supporter-based uh, thing. But I can, I can live stream a movie and I can roast it on video and you guys can have a live chat while we do that. So that's an event I'm going to do weekly. I'm going to be doing live streams over there. I'm going to be do, doing collaborations with other content creators over there um, because what's cool is I can if I if there's some music in the background that's copyright that would get things removed from YouTube they don't care if I say any language that I want to I try to keep it clean but sometimes I get frustrated where I want to curse I can do it over there and it's it's they don't they don't strike it like they do here at YouTube it's just locals is fun for me where YouTube has so many rules now that it makes it very frustrating to try to do anything over here I'll still do content for you guys I'm not leaving you behind uh, you know I, I owe my my channel and everything I do to you guys so I'm, I'm still very much dedicated to you but it's just fun over there um, the users that are over there we've got forums going we're talking about everything in the world and um, when we do a live chat, you kind of say what you can say. And a lot of the times, you know how YouTube is here, where some of you guys say, hey, I made a comment and Joker deleted it. I don't delete any comments over here. You'll see, but you, I made a comment on a Tim Pool video the other day. And because I used the word slave, uh, it didn't appear. It never appeared. It just, it, it showed, it posted it. And then when I refreshed the page, my own post was gone, even when I searched by most recent posts. It just evaporates. It's just gone. And, and I, I, can't, I can't continue to do this as YouTube locks down. So over there, we're having a good time. I, yes, there you have to put a little skin in the game about a cup of coffee a month or, or a cold beer a month. But we're having a good time. And, and if you want to be part of that good time, I'm, I'm really asking you to come over and join it because... Uh, I, I, my, my videos are not getting recommended in the feeds anymore. My viewership has dropped way down. If you, if you don't subscribe to me here, you probably won't see my videos. People are getting removed from uh, being subscribed to me. Like, I'm just tired of playing YouTube's game, and I'm going to move more and more over there, and it's fun. It, that's the biggest difference, it is, that it's fun. All right, let's move on to the, the main stuff. I'm not going to do any losses to the day I got, of the day. i got a lot to go over. This is from Rolo Tomasi's uh, The Rational Male website. He is the OG of uh, a lot of men's stuff. 
And I wanted to talk about the 80-20 rule. He put this out in 2016. It is still just as valid today, if not more so. And and now we're even talking about the 90-10 rule or the 95-5% rule. Uh, But you can use this as your go-to reference when anybody asks you about this stuff because this is all... It is all, uh, it's it's all accurate. Um, So he says the Pareto principle. An interesting side discussion was started in what proved to be a very popular post thread for the war war brides of Europe. And rather than let it disappear beneath a thousand plus comments, I thought I'd pick up on an old post I've had in my drafts for a while now. One of the foundational ideas of red pill awareness from the earliest pickup years has been the 80-20 concept. 80% of women want to uh, sleep with or pair off with the top 20% of men. This has been a fast and loosely defined in terms of subjective sexual market value, or SMV, between men and women and the ratio of disparity between those valuations. In intersexual terms, this 80-20 rule finds its roots in the economic theory known as the uh, Pareto principle. And I hope I'm uh, Pareto, Pareto, I don't know how they pronounce it. 80% of your sales come from 20% of your clients. While I'm not sure the principle is directly translatable, it mirrors the general rule of hypergamy and women's innate drive to optimize their sexual strategy with who they perceive as the top 20% of men, alphas, uh, whom they're sleeping with, and the 80% lion's share of women. Many a despondent uh, guy picks up on the principle and uses this to justify his failures to connect with women. I'm of the opinion that the 80-20 rule is often abused to justify men's failures or successes with women, more often failure. However, the fundamental notion is both observable and easily verified in-field as well as statistically. It is, however, important to keep in mind that the 80-20 rule as it applies to hypergamy is often bastardized in its inverse. The presumption goes that if 80% of women want to to sleep with the top 20% of men, it should necessarily mean that the top 20% of men are sleeping with 80% of women. Many a despondent beta picking up on this dynamic will use the assumption to disqualify himself from game or give it up in futility. More on this later. Let me stop here and and just uh, put this anecdote in here. You know, um, it is possible and and it is doable for many men that are average, we'll say 50% of men, to become the top 20 percenters. The work they have to put in is, is work. I mean, that's why you call it work. So if you're an average guy and you de- decide to hit the gym and really get a top 1%, 2%, 5%, 10% body, you can't do it. It takes dedication of years, at least a year plus, proper diet, exercise, hitting the gym hard, getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, but it can be done. Now, the, the truth of it is um, that if I think if more men did this, they would have more success in dating. Now, what about job? your career, you're going to have to have a a good income. You may not be able to work the job that you want to work and do what you're passionate about. You may need to give that up so you can earn more money. That way you can afford nicer cars, you can have a a better apartment, so when you take her back to your place, she sees that you're a high-value guy. You can have that fancy sports club or car, (laughs) fancy sports car, so when you pull up to a club, Women will see it. They'll go, oh, he's successful or he's got money and all these these signals that show that you're a catchable guy. Um, getting your clothes. Now, I get my clothes tailored, uh, some of my clothes. Now, gr- granted, obviously, I don't get my T-shirts tailored, but my dress shirts, my jeans oftentimes. So I, I try on clothes and then I look at what I need and I pay extra for the tailoring. Why? To look good and to have clothes fit very well. 
And if you do that with suits or with club, uh, clothes you wear out to the clubs and stuff, it can get expensive, especially if you have a good assortment of clothes. Do you have a, a just a Fitbit watch like I have, or do you decide to buy a one or a two or $3,000 watch? Again, all this stuff is, is for being selected by women. The problem is, again, now you're focusing your path in life. You're not so much, you are focusing it on you because your health is good and making good money is good, but you're taking it off the main path of, am I happy? Am I happy alone? Do I have hobbies? Do I have things that I'm passionate about? Do I have good friends? It's not to say that this chase, for some of you, it may be worth it. But my, my contention is always that you're, you're, you're chasing after something that you have, how valuable is it to you? How, how valuable is it to have a woman in your life? How valuable is it to you to be able to sleep with a woman or multiple women or beautiful women or whatever you find valuable? My contention is always like, is that really where you want to go in life? Now, to some guys you do, that's okay. There are paths for you. But again, it's going to be work. Um, okay, so he says, and, and that's, let me relate that back to what I'm talking about. He says in the 80-20 rule is to justify men's failure or successes with women. I, for me, I'm just saying, like, it, I don't justify my success or failure with women based on the 80-20 rule. I'm saying you got to get yourself into that 20% so you have a shot. And, and, if, and if that is where you put some value, go for it. But for many of us, we just say, you know what, I've got other things I'd rather do with my life and other tasks other than validate or make myself look appealing to women. That's just not us. He says, as a point of reference, it's important to remember that hypergamy doesn't seek its own level with regard to uh, your value in society or male uh, uh, market value comparisons. Rather, hypergamy is always seeking a, a socio-sexual pairing that is better than exchange for a woman's own, realistically comparative SMV. And as I've mentioned previously, hypergamy is always pragmatic about establishing that better than SMV exchange with men's. And I'll clarify that in a moment. While the Red Pill's uh, expanded definition of hypergamy encompasses far more than just marrying up, the 80-20 sexual selection process is simple enough that even Aunt Giggles in her heyday could illustrate it. Now, he's got a little, a little snapshot here, and this is marked as 2011, so this is not new stuff. But on the female side, they have hottest, super hot, pretty hot, cute, okay, meh, meh being average. Um, and then it goes, hmm, lights off, unfortunate, and other qualities. For the guys, they have the same 10 rankings. In a in a equal world where it is true equality, a five would want would date a five. And and that's both directions, male to female, female to male. A five would date a five, a seven would date a seven, a two would date a two. And we're not talking about looks necessarily in this case. We're talking about all values, okay? So a guy that may be a, a three or four in the looks department, but he's filthy rich and he's got a great body, he might be viewed as a seven. A guy that is uh, super hot and, and really charismatic and has a great body, but he works at Taco Bell, he might be viewed as a four. Again, these are all just concepts. There is no hard rule to any of this stuff. But in, a, in an ideal world, when everything is fair, a five would date a five. Now, would a five like to date a six or a seven? Yes, because that means as a male, you're dating a woman that is more attractive or funnier or better personality or better body or whatever than you typically really would deserve than your market value is worth. And the inverse is true. A woman that's a five, she'd love to date a six or a seven because he, he maybe he has a better body, better job, maybe he's better looking, that kind of thing. Well, what's happened in today's 
kind of society is women have started earning a lot more. In many cases, women are out earning men. I've talked about this. So if a woman, her average income is not a five, but a woman's income may be a seven, then financially she's only looking for a man ideally that's an eight, nine, or ten. It's made her pool smaller. If a woman can go on social media and show pictures of her in a bikini and she gets a bunch of thirsty men drooling after her, even if her body is a five average, um, but she gets a lot of thirsty men thirsting after her, she may think her body is a seven. So therefore, she only wants to date a man with a body of an eight or a nine or a 10. And if a woman is um, uh, hit on a lot and flirted with and and said, oh, you're beautiful, which is very easy to do on social media because a a, a woman that's a five might have a lot of two, three, four, five men complimenting her saying, oh, she's beautiful and she's ravishing and she's gorgeous. Well, to, to them, she is, but she's still average looking to the majority of people out there. But this inflates her her market value in her own mind. So she thinks she's a seven. So now she only wants to date the eights, the nines, the tens as far as looks go in men. And what this does is it takes a large, large portion of women, making them think they're in the top 30% of women or 20% of women, when in reality, they're probably in the top 50 or 60% of women. So all women's egos are getting inflated. All women's values are getting falsely inflated, and so they think they deserve the top 10 or 20% of men. What this does is it makes any percentage of men under what they are looking for invisible. So if there are 10 men and that woman says, these three or these two are, are what I'm exactly what I'm looking for, and she will focus in on those guys, and she will flirt with those guys, and she will try to date those guys, and she will try to be with them, and maybe she, maybe she gets to sleep with them. Maybe she dates them for short periods of time. These guys are, they, in their mind, know they're dating down. Why are they dating down? Well, because she's easy to get, or maybe she's easy to sleep with, or she's the one jumping through hoops chasing after them. They now realize, you know what? I think my market value, maybe it isn't, but they they say, I think my market value is higher than hers because she's chasing awful hard. And so they'll relax what they put into a relationship and they, they don't want to pick her because that's dating down for them. Men will sleep down, but they don't want really want to date down. So they will sleep with these women, but they don't want to date them. And so these women get discarded by these men. And they say, well, you know, I slept with him. He said he liked me. We went out and we dated for a couple of months. And then he dumped me. Why are men pigs? Why are men evil? Why are men awful? All the guys that I want, all the guys that I, I chase after, they treat me horribly. And, and what's the title that, come out, that comes out of this? Men are pigs. And so she dusts her hands off. She goes back out into the world and she, she's searching after these men she chases after the same one she gets hurt time after time after time and now men are pigs is the main theme of her life but if you if you pause for a second there's still seven guys standing over here that she didn't even look at that are like hey i like i'm i'm a decent dude like i'm i'm not a i don't have a lot of choices i i don't get a lot of opportunity to date i would be happy to have a girl that's as good looking or as cool as i am hello but they're invisible. They're standing over here in the corner and she never gave them a shot. She never looked at them. So when women are saying all men are this, all men are that, they're only looking at the segment that they want that don't want them. And thus, all these other men are invisible.
that's the that's the main thing to keep in mind. Now, if you're one of these invisible guys standing over here off to the side and you say, but I want to be viewed and I want to be looked at. Again, this is where you hit the gym. This is where, hey, you know what? I mean, I have a broken nose uh, that I broke a long time ago. I was playing uh, baseball with some friends of mine and it was a pop fly. And I stuck my head up like this to catch the ball and a very big friend of mine like we were I was 13 I remember how old I was I was 13 I probably weighed like 100 pounds I was not a big dude and one of my friends who was probably 200 pounds was running and he dove for the ball and he put his head down and the top of his head hit my cheekbone and it gave me what they call a triorbital fracture if I remember the term correctly I still have chunks of my my uh, eye socket missing and I have a scar here and it broke my nose and it broke my cheekbone and it screwed up some nerves in my face which is why I don't have perfect symmetry like you see my frown line here I have a frown line on one side but not the other and, and my smile lines on one side of my face are getting a little more developed than the other it's because I have nerve damage and, and I have asymmetry anyway my nose was broken and so my nose is a little off center could I go get it fixed yes could I get a reduction and maybe because I have kind of the big the big uh, half Italian nose. Um, could I have my Italian nose reduced a little bit? Yeah, I could. Could I hit the gym? Yes. Could I earn more money? Yes. But when you do these things, when you spend money on those things, when you go through all that, you can improve yourself. And maybe you can get in that top 10, 20%. Again, is it worth it to you? So yes, some of those guys could make that transition. But what about the guys that can't make that transition? What about the guys that say, you know what? I wasn't blessed with good looks. I'm short like Joker is. I'm bald like Joker is. Um, I don't, I'm not comfortable around people. I'm introverted. You know, I, I, I don't make a ton of money. Um, I live in an area without a lot of girls, and, and the few guys in town get all the girls. What if you're that person? Well, you either learn to cope and, and be butthurt about life and, and be angry and be frustrated because you got dealt a bad hand in the genetic lottery, or you say, I'm not going to make this a value in my life, and I'm going to find other ways to, to enjoy life. And, and if you have good friends and you have a good family, and even if you don't, you can make good friends. You can get out there and find friends. And you find a hobby, and, and you do a job that you love, and you've got your little world okay, and here's the important part, and you're okay with that, then you can be happy. You can be happy. You don't have to worry about settling for a, a, a woman that treats you poorly or, or is, is bad to you or that maybe you just can't get a woman that you're attracted to. That's the difference between all this is I'm saying, like, be happy without all this stuff because at the end of the day, you can get everything from friends and family and relationship and your job and everything else except you can't get laid. And you know what? If, if, if you save up your ducats, you can probably go hire a professional and get someone that will give you the girlfriend experience and really fun time who looks just the way you like. Blonde, brunette, Asian, Latina, black, whatever. Go that way. Um, so I have nothing wrong with these guys, but I'm just saying you don't need to go this way in your life to, you know, to find happiness. So anyway, they continue on. As you might guess, the fundamentals of basic hypergamy are easy to understand. So the tendency is to oversimplify the complexities that really define hypergamy and how the 80-20 basics play out. And lastly, it's important to bear in mind that the dual nature of women's hypergamous flirting, impulses, and attendant emotional investments, the 80-20 dynamic applies to both the alphas and betas, or popular men versus unpopular men, aspects of hypergamy. However, the characteristics that would uh, optimize the former tend to come at the expense of the latter and vice versa. All that said, the 80-20 principle is fairly simple. A majority of women across the board, of uh, across the broad set uh, social 
I, I always forget what SMV stands for. It shows you how much I pay attention to the pickup uh, stuff. Uh, social uh, market value, I think that's it. Or sexual, that's it. Uh, okay, let me try that again. All that said, the 80-20 principle is fairly simple. A majority of women across the broadest sexual market value spectrum, 80%, will always want for a better man, pairing both sexually and provisional than their own comparative sexual market value. Dating up hypergamy. If the underlying mechanics of hypergamy-inspired desire were only about a one- or two-step difference in SMV, the distribution ratio wouldn't be 80-20. As sophomoric as it is, the above graph is relatively accurate. The, an SMV-3 woman is desirous of an SMV-8 or above man as representative of a hypergamously optimal pairing, sex and or provisioning. For the 80-20 rule to hold true, we're looking at a comparative difference of five steps in SMV. Now, granted, this is on the extreme end of the spectrum, and it should be also noted that SMV is also a question of context and based on a woman's filtering perception of a man, SMV being legitimate. However, this doesn't alter the better-than-merited pragmatism of hypergamy. So, you know, to break it down pretty simple, again, because of women's values in society, they have an overinflated value of themselves. And they are chasing after the highest men. These, and I, I did a video on this a little while ago, so, and I don't remember the name of it. I, I don't know if I can find a link or throw it up. But if you watch my content on a regular basis, I talked about how studies have shown men will sleep down with women that have nice bodies, even if their face is not necessarily ideal. In other words, a woman's face can be average, but if she has a better than average body, a guy that is just into hooking up will still say, I don't want to date her. I necessarily wouldn't take her out to the to the dance and the movies and, and be seen around town with her. But with her clothes off, she has a great body, and I, I am physically attracted to that body, so I will sleep with her. Now, we know women are out there even on the dating apps, and they're out there on social media posting themselves and cleavage and, and bikinis and all this stuff. And if you go to Reddit and you do the NSFW tag, you can find forums of women that are just posting themselves, no clothing, just to get some clicks and likes. They don't make money at it. They're not dating anybody. They're just doing this to get validation. So they're showing their entire body off for nothing. Well, if a woman gets a lot of that validation for showing off her body, she may think her entire package is more value when it's really guys that are either very thirsty or guys that are are, um, not willing to date them, but look at her and say, you know what? She's obviously very casual about her body, which means she's probably very easy. And so I'm good with that. I will go hit that. And so an eight might sleep with a five or an eight might or a nine might sleep with a six or a four because she may have a nice body. She may have a horrible personality. She may not be very attractive in the face, but these guys will do that. Then the the guys that want long-term relationships, the guys that want a girl because of her personality and her being funny and her being witty, and, and they, they find her relatively attractive, even if her body isn't perfect or nothing's perfect. The sum of all that, a guy will say, I would like to date her. But in the meantime, she is sleeping with guys that are better looking and more charismatic, and, and so she never looks at him as a viable partner. She uses her sexuality to try to tie down these untied downable guys she tries to use that to get these guys and they cannot she she will never capture them and so that's what's kind of throwing this off to why women that are fours and fives are sleeping and being with eights and nines and tens thinking that these women now think they are an eight nine and ten it's 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 the way it is um 
Let's see. Uh, whether or not a woman is actually capable of this optimization isn't relative to understanding the principle. Indeed, with the expansion of instant communication, social emphasis of women's empowerment and esteem, and the influence social media exercises over the female ego, an SMV3 woman of today might likely believe she is in fact deserving of a man's five steps above her. But for purposes of understanding how the uh, Pareto principle applies to intersexual dynamics, we must focus on the latent purposes for it to exist. And that's just kind of him saying kind of what I did. Common errors. The easiest or most convenient mistake to make about this dynamic is to presume that the consolidation of hypergamy, locking down a man five to one steps higher in SMV in monogamy, defines the 80-20 rule. Remember, this principle is about desire and women's expected or entitled satisfaction of it, not the actual consolidation, long-term relationship of that hypergamous ideal. In the prior thread, the conversation centered on the mistaken idea that the Pareto principle is not universal or is only observed in some systems, but not in human sexuality, to which I'd argue that in no other system is this principle more evident than intersexual dynamics. And it's not just among humans, but countless other species. It's unflattering to the disguise in which the feminine imperative would put it in, but whether realizable or not, the 80-20 rule practically defines female desire. So um, one, one way you could look at this is that, again, um, a, a man can have multiple ways to make himself desirable. So a good-looking man may be broke. He may not have a penny to his name. But in today's marketplace, he's desirable because most of the dating uh, today occurs on dating apps where looks are paramount. I just did a video a week ago or few days ago about women chasing after these guys on dating profiles that say they're, I am a horrible person, but he's super hot. And so women are going after them. Well, the women aren't wanting the long-term relationship with him. They're just driven by sexual desire and they want to sleep with that guy because he's incredibly good looking or he's muscular and maybe he's a jerk, but the women don't care because we also know that women oftentimes think he's just a jerk to everybody, but if he really likes me and if he really wants to be with me, maybe I can get rid of that. And I don't care if he's a jerk to everybody else. I just want him to be nice to me. And so women think that they can change the guy. That's why the old adage is men marry a woman who they don't want to change. They want her to stay the same woman forever. Ever. And women will marry a man wanting to change them the minute that they're married into who they ideally want them to be. So these women say, I can't change a man's looks. I can't really change a man's athletics, but he can someday make more money. And maybe he'll stop being a jerk to me, at least, even if he's a jerk to everybody else. So I will, I will go after that winner and I will try to change him and force him to become what I want. And he'll stay with me because I'm making myself so sexually available to him and he loves my body and I think I'm an eight. In reality, she's a six. And so he uses her and he dumps her and then she's shocked. Okay. So, th- so this is kind of what's going on. Now, the long-term relationship guy is the guy that maybe isn't incredibly good-looking. Maybe he doesn't have a great body, but he has the, the long-term things in place. In other words, he's a, got a very stable job. He's a nice guy. He's sweet. He's a provider. He would be a good father. And so those are the ones that women finally ultimately settle down with because they don't have the looks to score the hot guys anymore. So they go to their next best option, which is, well, at least this guy has a lot of things to provide to me. And so that, and what's happened in the past is I think many of those guys would say, you know what, 
yeah, she's got kind of a rocky past, and yeah, she had her crazy days, but it's out of her system. And now she's all mine, and now we'll have a nice home, and we'll settle down. But we're seeing with the high divorce rates and the divorce rates in which women file, we see the numbers of 50% of women admitting that they cheat on their men. We see paternity fraud numbers, and we see that these women aren't just making this mistake or chasing Chad for a couple of partners. They're doing it for dozens and dozens and dozens of men. And now the guys that used to be the, the, what women settled on, and those men were willing to settle with a woman, those guys are now saying, you know what, I know the game and I'm not willing to play anymore. Or when they get their chance to date these women, they use them too. And they play them too. And they say, you know what, I can actually, I think I can do better than you. Or you're damaged goods. And yeah, I'll sleep with you, but I don't want to date you long term. And so by the end of the day, the, the women are ending up being very unhappy and lonely at the end of all this. And the guys that are a little bit older like myself or guys that maybe aren't, aren't the you know alpha Chad dude bro, young, attractive, handsome man, men, they're getting their action kind of on the fallout on, on the like the second wave. But they're becoming smart enough they're not going to marry. And, and so in reality, uh, you know, it, it's... The, the people that get harmed out of this the most, in my opinion, are the women with the unrealistic expectations. Okay, they continue on. The second mistake to presume the inverse. Uh, let me see. Okay, yeah, I didn't read this yet. The second mistake to pre- is to presume the inverse, that 20% of men actually get 80% of women. Usually this gets trotted out as an equal for equal argument that presumes, again, that desire should necessarily translate into cons- uh, consolidation. Uh, lower value men do get laid and pair off with women for any number of reasons, but the principle isn't about who's actually sleeping with who. Rather, it's about who has more access to sexually available women based on their uh, market valuation. Nice guys may finish last, but they do finish eventually. Whether they finish well is the thought for another post. And, and that's kind of what I was just talking about. That you know, The guys get the, the, the women after they've fallen out of favor with the, the top 20%. They fall out of favor with those guys, and then the rest of the men start picking up the, the leftovers, as it were. A lot of guys now are saying, you know what, I know this doesn't finish well, so I'm out too. To continue on, a third common mistake made mostly by women presumes the goal state outcome of intersexual dynamics should be to arrive at a monogamous state. This is the consolidation of a female uh, sexual strategy, and because we live in a feminine primary, primary social order, that uh, committed monogamous end to a woman's sexual strategy is perceived as the socially correct goal. At no point is men's imperative interests, or sexual or life-rewarding, a priority, if it's considered at all. In the hypergamous equation, in the absence or disregard of men's conflicting interests, the f- uh, feminine imperative substitutes what best fits its own interests at the socially appropriate goals for men. Then it qualifies manhood according to its proxy interests for men so that any man may not me- any man not measuring up to them are not considered truly men by its definition. So let's break that down a little bit. We know that if a man decides not to date, not to marry, not to have kids, not to accept women in all their forms, we get the who hurt you, you're just an incel, you're a loser, nobody would want you anyway. So if a man says, I don't date, or I'm okay by myself, or I'm happy, society kind of comes at them and says, well, it's because you're a loser and nobody wants you anyway. They never actually give the man's consideration or the man's happiness any thought. And we know this because any woman that says, I'm chasing my career and I don't want to settle down and I want to have kids and I'm, I'm happy on my own, they say stunning, brave, and powerful. 
But a man that says the same exact words is his priorities are screwed up. Maybe he's a loser. Uh, maybe he's just uh, not good enough. Or maybe something's wrong with him. And so why do they shame men like that? It's because you're not providing. You see, when a woman goes out and she dates these great guys and she has all this fun, but she's not selected, her options start fading a little bit. And so she goes to the next group of men saying, okay, well, I guess I want you guys. I'm going to settle for you. And those men in turn are saying, I don't want you or I don't want to get married, or I don't want kids. This is not what I want. And their natural reaction is to lash out as if the men are the problems versus taking a moment and saying, did I miss my window? Am I being too picky? Am I not being rational or reasonable about this? Because there's no self-accountability. See, men oftentimes, oftentimes, not always, men have to look in the mirror a lot more because we're the ones that approach women most of the time and we're the ones shot down most of the time. We, and we have to say, I'm not doing very great at this. Like, I'm not having a lot of success here. Let me look in the mirror. What's going on? Okay, I'm bald. I got some gray in my beard. Maybe I got a little bit of a belly. Let me readjust or let me fix whatever I think is broken. Women get attention all the time. Now, granted, it's in varying degrees, but you can find dating apps. And, and I've seen posts on the aforementioned Reddit forums where a woman will be not in very good shape. And she is not very, to me, let me make this clear, to me, um, she's, she, I may not find her attractive in her bikini or in, in whatever situation she is. But somebody, some, some man does. And because men are usually the ones that ask out or are more forward, she will get that validation because those men will put themselves out there. So she can sit back and say, I am who I am, and she will still get attention from men. Now, she may not want those men, but she still gets the attention. So she doesn't have to, she doesn't have, to have those hard looks in the mirror. But when they do and they don't get the attention from men, the natural instinct is to say it's the man's problem for not choosing them. So they try to shame men back into participating, back into dating them, back into supporting them, back into marrying them, back into being there for them. And men today are saying... No, I no, no, thank you. I, I would rather be alone than settle. And women are kind of saying the same thing. Again, the difference is what they're, what they're willing to settle for is all kind of screwed up. Um, <clears throat> let's continue on here. Want is not have. Want is not have. The concept that a woman's hypergamous imperative wouldn't be a mutual goal between the sexes is an alien thought to most women. Much in the same way that men idealistically want to believe women mutually share their concept of love for love's sake and free from the conditions of their burden of performance, women are mistaken in believing men's sexual strategy is synonymous with the female strategy and shares a mutual end. By the way of feminine solipsism, solipsism and a social order that only considers women's imperatives as legitimate collective feminine social uh, consciousness rarely gives men's imperatives an afterthought and then only when they become problematic to the feminine imperative so it's kind of the same thing is that you know men will love for men's sake a man and and there's another study on this i didn't pull it up because i'm going to be long anyway But it basically showed that men's sexual satisfaction across the course of a relationship with a single woman woman, stays the same. That he's like, you know what? I care for this person. She's a good partner. Um, She treats me well. I find her still attractive as long as that's in. And she gives herself freely and excitedly and willingly. Men's satisfaction kind of stays pretty flat. They enjoy being with just one woman because their needs are met. And what are the needs? That biological release 
with somebody that they find attractive and they're comfortable with. But over the course of time, and, and again, I, this graphic is out there. Maybe I'll do another video on, on it. Women's uh, satisfaction goes lower. Why? Because the longer she has him and the longer that he's dedicated to her, she's still got the search of, I wonder if I can do better. And so her satisfaction with what she already has wanes and she starts looking for something new. Now, it's not to say that men don't do the same thing. If a man does date or marry a woman when she's attractive and she gains a lot of weight and her looks fade and she starts treating him poorly, you bet his satisfaction will go down and he'll look elsewhere too. But even by default, if even if a man maintains everything that he had from the day one of the, the relationship, her nature or her desire for him wanes. And that is done by uh, biology. Because women, it's good for society to have a large mixture of genetic material. Also, she wants to ideally get impregnated and have the alpha, strong, athletic, tall, muscular guy. That's the baby she wants. But she wants to be with the man that's going to provide her and make sure that her and the, she and the child are taken care of and are safe. Well, when she marries the guy that will take care of her and is safe, that doesn't stop the biological drive to chase after the very athlete. And this is all lizard brain stuff that is there. Um, so the problem comes in that women really want two men. Well, they really all want it in one man, but, but that's such a small percentage. They, they, women want the tall, the dark, the wide-shouldered, the handsome, the athletic, muscular guy because he has all the physical traits that would make a woman feel safe and protected. And she wants those genes for her child because the child will be the healthiest and the strongest and the best-looking and have all the best opportunities in life. And I've talked about this in another video where Filipina and Thai women, oftentimes, their society values light white skin very much. So as a Caucasian man going over there, many of them want to be with you just because you have that desirable trait. So that's the genetic material that women want. And again, this is, this is not, I mean, it's overt. Women will say, oh, I, I like him. But men are the same way. Men want a, a nice breast to waist to hip ratio and that's for ease of feeding the children ease of giving childbirth and that is kind of built in that's why you can't convince a man to just desire a heavy set woman that's got a shape like an apple men don't naturally desire that so women want this genetic material they desire it but they want to find the man that will protect and do all that for them and, and, and financially support and they have that safety those are two very different those are two very different dynamics of men. Now, what do men want? Men want a woman that will love them, be, stick by their side, give them access to fulfill their sexual needs, and someone that's going to be a good mother. They don't need to worry, and, and a lot of that is her personality and just her physical state, just her, her beauty and her physical state. Men don't have the same wiring for I must procreate with an incredibly beautiful, intelligent, wonderful woman because that's not ours is to spread the seed, not to necessarily worry about the outcoming result. That is, again, the lizard brain stuff. So, so what men want is really a lot easier to find in a woman where what women want isn't easy to find in one man. And so women have the dual dating strategy. And, and that's, but women really want the one guy that'll do it all, but they're in such few demand that 
And that's why polyamory is on the rise, and we're gonna, I'm going to talk about that too. Women subconsciously reinforce the feminine correct goal state of long-term relationship monogamy by a continuous autonomous expectation of its fulfillment, even when that fulfillment creates cognitive dissonance with their short-term versus long-term sexual strategy. It's part of a woman's hypergamous firmware to do so because it ensures or tries to their subconscious need for parental investment and long-term security provisioning. And that's what I'm talking about. They're dating short-term Mr. Hot Guy and their long-term is Mr. Stable and those two aren't together. And what they really need to be doing is short-term should be dating for long-term and the whole time should be Mr. Provision and, and you know, someone they find attractive, but they don't do that anymore. They're focused in, hyper-focused in on the physical, physical aspects. Uh, what women necessarily must disregard is that their own sexual strategy choices are determined by the want to pair with a mate who exceeds her own social market or sexual market value place. Thus, the Pareto principle applies. In open hypergamy, I made mention that there is a societal transitioning taking place among women where revealing the uglier side of hypergamy is becoming more acceptable. The degree of comfort with which women have in revealing the uh, machinations of hypergamy is proportional to their capacity to play the 80-20 game well enough to consolidate on a 20th percentile man or his closest approximation. For women still uncomfortable with openly embracing the uglier side of hypergamy, concealing the truth about the 80-20 becomes a practical priority. You will find in the future that many of the conflicts you read between strong independent women of differing social or moral perspectives will be based in their degree of comfort and openly relating to the um, uh, machinations of hypergamy. For women who keep the 80-20 rule concealed from men's popular consciousness, women with less capacity to compete intersexually, it can ill afford to have men aware of their own uh, sexual market value and how it affects their long-term sexual strategy. High-value red pill aware men have the leisure to exploit hypergamy and low-value red pill men aware of this hypergamous role risk denying women of their resources to provision them in the long term. So what's this mean? Basically, it means that aware men know what's going on. Aware men are, are, they see and they know this, that it occurs in all women to some degree. But women are getting a lot more comfortable putting themselves out there because uh, they can be more brash about the 80-20. This is when a woman on a dating profile says, you must be this. You must be six foot tall to message me. You must be hot. You must have a six pack. You must be hung like this. It, or, and or you must have this job, you must have. They're openly stating, I am seeking the 20% men and I believe I am of that value. They're putting it right out there. So that's very easy for aware men to identify and, and this is a red flag. And then you can say, hey, I'll take my shot, but if I don't get this shot, I understand because she's only looking for the top 20% of men. But when you take your shot, you're also revalidating her. So there are women out there that put this out there and it just is what it is. Now, the other women who may not have, um, the other women that may not feel like they're, they're comfortable in putting themselves out there, there are still 80% of women that outperform men in marriage. In other words, she makes more money than him. 80% of them file for divorce. A lot of times after women have kids with a providing man, she will use his resources. In other words, she gets a divorce and she gets child support and maybe she gets alimony. Then she goes right back out into the market wanting to date and capture one of these guys again. 
in the past, it wasn't as overt. It wasn't as obvious. But today it is because of channels like mine and others where we're telling you guys, like, look, just pay attention to this stuff. Look at the divorce statistics. Look at the cheating statistics. Look at how women are becoming where they feel they deserve everything, and yet they provide nothing. So even if a woman isn't overt about it today, it's becoming more and more where guys are seeing the little signs of hypergamy throughout everything. And when a man is very well aware of this, but he still wants to participate in the dating market, what he decides is, you know what, odds are this isn't going to last forever. This isn't going to work out well for me in the long term. So I'm choosing not to have a child with this person. I'm choosing not to get married because I don't want to make my resources available. I'm choosing to just date casually. Then when and if but more likely when she decides she wants to go back out there and try her luck at getting a, a better man, I'm not left holding the bag and being a provider. That she's free to do so. It may hurt me. It might hurt my feelings. I, I may feel bad about it, but I can move on without now being a finite or an infinite resource for this woman. And so guys are now realizing that all women have this to some degree. And, so, and many women, more con in, in the past it was conservative women, it was more traditional women, they would be the ones that say, yes, I do actually am attracted to other men, and I, I do find those men sexually attractive other than my husband and my family, but I am dedicated to my husband, and he is good to me, and I care about the well-being of my, ch my children and my family. And so they would deny the the desire or they would deny the opportunity to cheat on the husband or go off with another man and and procreate behind his back and do all that they would use their their intellect and their love of family and maybe their obligation and and maybe some religion in there too to turn this down and and that's that was a good thing because men do it too but men, we have the sword of Damocles holding over our heads, knowing that if I step outside my family, not only am I betraying everything that the woman would betraying, be betraying, but also I get penalized by the courts and by the legal system and by the law. I will be paying financially and I will be paying societally because I will be shamed. Where a woman, if a woman does it, she wins the cash and prizes and she can say, he wasn't providing for me anymore. He didn't give me the attention I wanted. He wasn't taking care of me in the bedroom. He wasn't earning. He wasn't being a good enough father. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't. And society says, you're right. You have a good reason to leave him. Where a man says, she wasn't being a good mom anymore. Well, why? All of it, there's always the, but why? What, what did you, were you helping her? Were you backing up? Were you support? They put it right back on the man. When you say, oh, we were having fights about money. Why? Well, money got tight. Were you not earning enough? Did you go get a, a part-time job? They put it back on the man. If a man wasn't providing, in, or if a man wasn't providing in the bedroom, um, she can say, uh, "I felt ignored. I didn't feel desired. I didn't feel wanted anymore." And they say, "Oh yeah, I don't blame you." But if a man says she wasn't taking my need, care of my needs in the bedroom, we get the well. That's that's not her duty. It's not her job to do that. She doesn't have to if she doesn't want to. Maybe you should treat her better. Maybe you should, should make her feel more attractive. Maybe you didn't. They put it back on the man again. You see, in all cases, when a, a breakup nowadays occurs, it always boils back to the man's fault. Men are now wise to this, and they're on to it, and they say, you know something? I'm, I'm not participating in the way that you want me to. I'm just going to keep it casual. Then if we break up, I don't care what anybody thinks of me, and I can't be used to resources. He says the male side of the principle. 
Um, you know what? Let me stop here. This is a good breaking point. I'm almost an hour in. Um, this is a good breaking point. So that's the, the female side. This is the male side. I'll do the male side as part two if you want to follow up on that. The whole point of this is is that, that women and men are both hypergamous. Men want to date women that are more attractive. And, and I got some kids playing out here and they're yelling at each other, so I have to. Um, so the whole point is that men and women are both hypergamous to some degree. Men always want a woman that has a better body and, and is maybe more attractive. But here's another thing that's important to a man. He needs to be desired and wanted by the woman that he's going to be with. When the desire falls away, that's just as much a problem as the looks and the physicality falling away for men. In a lot of marriages and long-term relationships, the woman's desire for the men falls away. Then, a lot of times, the man will feel like sex, for her to have sex with him, is a burden. That it's not something that, that, that is desired or wanted. And that is just as much a, a, a detractor for men as well. So that... So that when, um, when that falls away, guys really have a struggle with that. And, and eventually what happens is a man will not only find a woman that is maybe younger, maybe more physically uh, beautiful, and her face is more beautiful, but she also has desire for him. And that's another key factor. But it's a very small subset of things where a man would trade in a woman or leave. Because, and, and not only that, but there's a lot of penalties as well. But for women, there first and foremost are no penalties anymore. Secondly, she may be desired for her body. She may be desired for her face. She might be desired just for the ability that she now finds another man attractive. And so she's giving herself to him willingly and excitedly where his wife may not desire him anymore. So a married guy might have a wife that isn't desiring or wanting him, but someone else's wife finds him attractive and she brings herself towards him. And he says, hey, I'm wanted. I'm desired again. And, and so uh, that gives him another option. But women will also make a move for money, for power, for athleticism, for looks. There's a lot more in there. So I'm going to leave it there for the first one. Guys, um, join me on, on part two of this. I'm not going to be a, do a big sign-off. You guys know all know the deal about it. Um, I'll leave a link right up here in the corner to part two of this. Join me over there, and we will continue on. Mm-hmm.